Welcome back to the District Church Podcast. It is me, Matt, the overpronunciator, the Annunciation King, and it is Travis who rolls his eyes at me when I hit the district hard. When you say it um, so formally, um, then it does come out come out as uh, overpronunciated. The District Church Podcast. Uh, I do this because... Brought to you by Matthew Cantrill. Cantrill. That's uh, Cantrill. I, uh, in the last couple years, found out that I've been pronouncing uh, one word abs- like wrong all the time. The word argument. I would say argument. And I thought the G was silent. And Anna mocked me mercilessly. Which means that she said... That's not right. I think we all have quirks like that when we talk. So now I have to over enunciate. Argument, district, Travis. I just actually had a conversation with somebody and I think they referred to you as Trevor, which brought me a lot. <laughs> well, that, um, oddly enough, my parents were thinking between Trevor and Travis. So, so Travis means a stick in the mud. What <clears throat> no, Trevor no, mean? no. Travis means at a cross at a crossroads. You're kind of confused. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what Trevor are means. You, are you glad you corrected me on that? <laughs> I'm just telling you what it actually means. Like what are the, one of the definitions? It's like you're at a crossroads. You're at a crossing. What is Trevor? Trevor. I don't know what the meaning of Trevor is. I should probably look it up. But In real time, Google. Yeah. I, on on pronunciation, uh, my wife Nicole Trevor will. Um, to me, she mispronounces this, but then there's people who have strong oh, opinions orange. the other way. Yes. Oh she Nicole. says orange. She said that in, in a real conversation yesterday. She, and I, I felt I, the need to, to correct her. And then I, I'm growing in maturity. So I didn't. The problem is I don't know if she can say orange. She can't, she can't like bring the A and it's almost like she said it so often that she can't force herself to. So this is how I just so full circle. This is why I am over enunciating argument. Somebody said wash earlier today to me. Can I wash my hands in there? That one's a, that's kind of Kansas. Kansasism. Yeah. My yeah. father-in-law said that the other day. Anna didn't notice cause she's used to it. And then I asked him or the, my favorite is, uh, uh, we wash our hands in the, the Arkansas. Right, the, yeah, and we think Arkansas. about and we think about Missouri. Okay, what's Trevor mean? Um, first, actually, I'm I'm learning something new. Travis uh, is a boy's name of French origins, meaning toll collector. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was initially a surname deriving from the French words traverser, which means to cross. Today, Travis is an integral part of the music dynasty as rap, rock, and country charts are filled with famous bearers of the name. Travis. That has nothing to do with the meaning of the name, but it, so toll collector and do you know at, toll, they, to, to cross. There was a study done of like job satisfaction and some and toll booth collectors had like some of the highest um, like mental health. Oh, I didn't, do you I know who was lower at the bottom? People who worked in dental offices. Wow. Which is funny because my mom is perky as can be. And she was a dental hygienist. Wow. Very interesting. So that's Travis. That's the meaning of of Travis. Trevor. The meaning of Trevor is a... Shorter version of Travis. A boy's name of a Welsh origin means large settlement. 
I think Trevor probably would have fit better for you. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> because you are a large settlement. Meaning that it was given to people to describe the place where they lived. Well, I live on a Trevor. With my treasure. I was going to say, I was going to make a joke about your head being big. <laughs> So yeah. just, just ad lib that. I think you kind of just did. <laughs> Sometimes that's the, best, that's the best joke. You figure it out. I, I think it counts. Well, uh, sorry, or you're welcome with that part. Uh, we uh, well, A little excuse for us. This is the Thanksgiving week we're recording mm. this, and so we're a bit... We're a bit in this is Wednesday before Thanksgiving that we're recording this. And so we're a bit uh, in the um, anticipation of turkey and ham pre tryptophan. Isn't that what it's called? The the chemical in turkey that makes you go to sleep. I don't maybe this is a new (laughs) say it again. Tryptophan tryptophan. Now I got to look it up. This episode is brought to you by Google. So, yeah, but we are uh, coming off of a the beginning of a new series for us at the district called advent and we are <laughs> which is a, which is a calendar we have a new sermon series for you called christmas time <laughs> our sermon series is based on the advent calendar but um and, and this might be good for you to know we actually uh aaron Pugh, shout out to him for correcting us on this um, Advent the the official Advent calendar is December third through December twenty fourth this year, but we wanted to start as soon as Thanksgiving was done. We were moving um, away from this change series that we did, and we're uh, jumping into an Advent series now. Here, here's what we're doing at the district. So we're gonna st- we started yesterday with hope. Um, Matt preached on hope, um, and he used um, the he used the the story of Nicodemus. And John yep. three, and then a smattering of Hebrew, mostly one Hebrews one text, in Hebrews. and uh, and so got us started in hope. But we are going to go through hope and love, joy and peace, and then on Christmas Eve we will completely wrap up our Advent series and and season with by the word Jesus, Jesus finishing with Jesus. There's five candles in an Advent candle uh, collection, which is love, joy, peace, and hope. And then the middle candle is the Jesus candle. So love, joy, peace, hope. Love, joy, peace. Sorry, I had to do my math. Yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, we're excited to jump into that. And if you didn't know, like some people, like I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, like, in, you know, at church all the time. Like and we good, Trevor. <laughs> like a good large settlement. <laughs> um, but we never actually, like, I, like the word Advent was always kind of foreign. Because we, I, I, the church was, it was just like we celebrated Christmas and that was kind of the whole focus. But Mm -hmm. so for those that don't know, Advent stands for the season in the church calendar that's completely dedicated to the anticipation of the arrival or the advent. Advent is another word for arrival of Jesus when he came into the world and became Emmanuel God with us. But it is also the way that we celebrate the coming of Jesus, his second coming um, back to, back to uh, uh, redeem and um, fully consummate all things and all, all all of that. So yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I was just actually looking, uh, I was looking up that word earlier. 
And I've always thought of the second definition that you said, which is the it is the calendar event. But Advent in and of itself means like the arrival of something significant. Yeah. So for some reason, we don't use Advent in everyday language, but it does. It means that's yeah. a really cool, that's that was a really cool realization for me, which arrival. I'm just saying the same thing you're saying. It's like when it comes to Jesus, there was the arrival of him as a baby that we celebrate on Christmas. Yeah. And then there is the arrival that we are now waiting for as yeah. we are in. We talked about this yesterday, the already but not yet. Yeah, so there there is a healthy, uh, uh, there's a healthy character kind of building quality that that advent or or this this arrival season if you will kind of provides us and and we're actually really not good at it in our in our world it is this idea of waiting Mm -hmm. where we're anticipating and waiting and we are looking and so i remember you know growing up when when i knew family members were coming home for the holidays always looking out the window anticipating mm-hmm. their arrival knowing that they were coming knowing that they were getting closer but they weren't here yet and so what that would do to me and the excitement that it would cause and all of that kind of stuff but but now like even even the way that we kind of mirror that with gift giving and presence on Christmas morning while we're anticipating and um waiting for the arrival of of those gifts that are given in our family and with our friends and that kind of thing. What I, what I find it's, it's difficult to mimic this or to create this because we don't wait for these kinds of things Mm -hmm. near as much. I mean, even for things like gifts or, or toys for kids or, um, presents, Mm -hmm. we have Amazon. So everything's one click away. Like we can order whatever we want, whenever we want, it seems like, or it feels like, um, and people will, not even wait to have the money to pay for it. They're buying things they don't need to impress people that they don't really know and mm-hmm. all, all of that kind of stuff. So putting it on credit and, you know, yeah. um, so we, we don't, we don't like wait for anything. Even our groceries, we, we like either have them delivered to the house or, or even the word gross, like groceries, like we're, yeah, we're not growing things or, mm-hmm. Is it rearing cattle or something like that? Um, I have a question with that, if I can interrupt you, because the word, <clears throat> one of the, the first things that we talked about on on Sunday in the sermon talking about hope is just, I, I wanted us to slow down and just ask the question, how do we define the word hope? And I try to give a couple examples of where I think we misdefine or are ill define. I don't know what the, what the prefix is for that. When we define hope poorly, so the thing that I wanted to was to put the ball in people's courts, and I did this with a couple people this week. Um, so in real time, I want to do it with you. If you were to be pinned in a corner and someone said, what does the word hope mean? How would you define it? What, what do I think hope means the day after you've preached the message on hope and given the definition? Yeah. Your, the definition you're going to use. Um, anticipating something positive on the way. Okay. Yeah. I mean, anticipating something good coming. Yeah. is probably where I would, I don't know, on the spot, I'm anticipating something good. I'm expecting something good mm. coming. And, and I'm, and I'm, uh, a- I'm, I'm anxious in the anticipation, like in the positive sense. I'm, yep. 
I'm anticipating a good thing down down the road. So you can go in the opposite direction as well. Like I was anticipating that you would give a bad answer. That was that's still hope. It's well, it a may negative been, form of hope. Maybe it was a bad answer for me, but it was. That no, was a good it, answer. Okay, but it was. But what I'm saying is like. Yes, you you were anticipating a bad answer because it would make you feel better. So it was actually a positive. Okay, this isn't. All right, sit down, Freud. Um, no, I, I think it's a really good. The reason I asked the question, obviously, we just talked about it, but it's because hope and Advent do go so. It's hand in glove. The word hope it it in the there's two Hebrew words and one Greek word used in in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, and the definitions when you kind of put them together basically what it means is it's to wait it's to wait in anticipation but then there's like this picture that's basically drawn because you can you can wait for things that are unreal and have hope i have hope that that i will go to the moon and i will take a bite out of it and it's cheese there's nothing there's no there's nothing founded in reality in that right yeah so that's kind of hope but I think that's we sort of we don't define hope well in that. What hope is is this picture of tension. And when you think of tension, there's two there's two anchor points in tension. Like if if you're gonna jump on a trampoline, you better hope it's connected on two sides. If it's not, you're falling through. Yeah. You're gonna be a real Trevor, a landmass. Is that what it was? Large settlement. I think I could do something with that, but I won't. Um <clears throat> that really distracted me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought that up. Um, but when there's that tension, it's got to be anchored on two two sides. Mm-hmm. And so the tension is it's a tense awaiting, and it's not just tense because you're like biting your fingernails in anticipation. It, that's there, but the tension is also the fact that it's rooted in both advents for us. Mm-hmm. We have hope because of the already mm-hmm. what Jesus has done, which is. Uh, enough for us to stake our claim as we talked in Hebrews 6 hope is described our our hope is an anchor for the soul we Mm -hmm. have two anchors it's the Mm -hmm. tension upon which it sits and then the second advent is Jesus returning we have enough of the already we've already seen what he's done and his promises that we know the not yet that is to come Mm -hmm. Jesus is returning is so certain that our tension is it's tight and we wait in anticipation. Hmm. So it's a really cool yeah. image. Hopefully I conveyed that well yesterday or moderately well right now. Yeah. But that's I don't I don't think that's where we generally go when we define hope and it's so significant for us as we talk about the the rest of that the advent conversation as we get to Jesus is like that is and this is our main focus I think as we're talking through the advent is like we remember what Jesus has done and we also in this using the same word we remember what he is going to do because we know what's coming so in some ways hope is a is something we probably use every day yeah but the, the it's some of our hope can be more shallow than other hope obviously you're talking about a very deep theologically true hope and that Jesus has come and we anchor our soul to what he's already done and yep. that he's already here. And then anchoring to him coming in the future that we're anticipating him. Like like I was looking for my family members out the window when they were coming for Christmas mm-hmm. but haven't seen them yet. I'm anticipating with eagerness their arrival. Yeah, um, That's deep and theological. But then there's also the hope of... of what we're going to eat for dinner, you know. There's a mm-hmm. tension there that I'm hungry and I'm anticipating a good meal. Yeah. That 
I'm hopeful that that's what's happening, you know, in our family when we get together, right? You know, so, you have, something like that. And you have confidence that you're going yes. to eat a meal, yes, because you've eaten a meal before, yes, and you know what the plan is, yeah. is that we're going to eat a meal, right? Right, which makes it heartbreaking when someone lacks hope. Mm-hmm. When someone lacks hope, it's like they've they've drifted into cynicism because over and over and over again, repeatedly there has been a, a letdown or a breakdown somewhere where the tension has been gone. There's yep. nothing that they're looking forward to yeah. because they think people are against them or the world's against them or, or whatever. Yeah, or we've placed our hope because there is something about us at the core, which is that we we have to hope in something. Like we can't not yeah. hope in something. We just right. place it in the wrong things or we <clears throat> view hope incorrectly as yeah. like a man I, I wish that something would happen without any reason to believe that it would so when we have lost our hope because someone's taken it from us or because we've we've just done we've misunderstood what hope is it's it you really you fall into a hopeless place yeah it's and that's not just to take the word hope and then like make it and like anti-hope but like that's it's a state of being and you've completely lost why you would ever hope in anything or what that would look like right and what we what we discussed yesterday is um is that in essence this is partly the definition of hell is that our hope has been yanked from us mm-hmm. physical real like the reality of hell exists Right. As a place separated from God. Mm-hmm. But the really painful, like weeping and gnashing of teeth, like all of that stuff, I, I, I think, maybe this is an opinion, maybe this is just like I'm in process of, of um, thinking about this, but like that's a very, like we can taste a little bit of hell right now when we have something that we've poured all our hope in. Mm-hmm. And it gets yanked away from us. Like we right. have that feeling that will be judgment day when we say, when Jesus says, like, have you trusted in, in me or have you trusted in your own works or your own whatever? And the response is, well, I've trusted in me or someone else. And Jesus said, well, judgment. Right. It's everything that we put our hope in has been seen to be building our house on the sand. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's it's probably more uh, important to us than we probably realize. Mm-hmm. We use it more often than we think. Yeah. And so creating a firm foundation for the way that we think of hope and how we think of hope, I think is really, really important. It should always keep like hope should keep us um, positive in mm-hmm. some, in some way, shape or form. And not not um, not positive like we think of it. Just like think think good thoughts. A blind optimism. Right. It's not. It's not that. It's 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 positive because we know that. Um, I I think it reminds me of when we were in Romans and we talked about like the um, when the flight attendant what they do during chaotic times. Mm-hmm. Like if they're serving coffee, we're probably okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. as chaotic as the flight may be or the turbulence that you may feel if they're coming around and like serving coffee or all right. If the flight attendants are buckled into the, into the seat and like head between the knees, right. we're probably, this is bad. It's not going well. Yeah. So, yep. and sometimes like our reaction mirrors the, the, uh, you know, head between the knees, we're seat belted up. Um, as Christians. Yeah. As Christians. Yep. And, and instead of like, yeah, we. I mean, this this is crazy, but 
do you want more coffee? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's not. Yeah. Cause our hope is, is firm. Right. It's, it's, um, it's not, it's, it hasn't been shaken. Mm-hmm. It, nothing's moved because nothing's moved with Jesus. You know, he hasn't changed. He's the right. same. Um, and, and so we've, that's, that's why that, uh, anchoring in that tension is so important for us because we wake up with a different kind of hope. Our hope isn't based on circumstance or the weather or how I'm feeling even yeah. our hope, our hope is actually deeper than, than both of those things and more and more solid than any of those things. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. um, you had mentioned that maybe this is a pivot that is helpful or is not helpful, but we had a conversation a couple weeks ago when we were talking about, um, we were talking about optimism and oh, hopefulness. Yes. Not as blind optimism or anything like that. I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast at all, but, but you had said a statement that I, I, I think is, is pretty profound and true the more that I think on it. And it's that the, the prophets, if you can use that word well, of, of this next generation or our generation will be hopeful and optimistic. So the comparison being a lot of a lot of times we think about like Old Testament prophets or we think about the the language of somebody who speaks as a like kind of prophetically not not forth foretelling the future but speaking like this is God's judgment this is what he said it's usually uh, feels kind of negative yeah and the way that you were using it and filling the gaps for me if I don't say this well but like is that we are in a place in our society, 21st century America, where everything has been deconstructed so much. And we have, we all, like the flight attendant or people on the plane, look around and go, there's turbulence. So this isn't, stuff's not not right. Like right. We all kind of have that. Right. But the those as followers of Jesus who will be the most effective in communicating God's plan will be those who will say, yeah, things out, stuff outside is crazy, mm-hmm. but Jesus. Yeah, I think, uh, so it was Daniel Yang who said, and he was quoting someone. I was at a conference and heard heard him say this, but he was quoting someone. The, the, the direct quote was, um, in a world full of cynicism, it is the optimists who will be the prophets as we move into the next season. So in a world full of cynicism, it is the optimists who will be the prophets. Um, and that's not blind optimism or, or just a positive for the sake of being positive, but there's an, there's a, a tinge in it where you think, like you said, there's a wave of deconstructionism that's been popular recently. You know, you've seen famous Christian music artists say, I'm deconstructing my faith or some influencer, I'm deconstructing my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but this even goes into the, into the political arena where you have two political parties that are going to come into a political season mm-hmm. and both are screaming at the other about how they need to tear like on some level, right? Like, you can parse them out in lots of different ways, but let's just look at the left, right? The, the, the democratic side, the liberal, the liberal side, a lot of their, um, platform is we're going to tear it down. We want to tear it down. Hmm. And, and which I don't have a problem with tearing something down. I mean, if something needs to be torn down, let's tear it down, especially if it's not helping our world. But, what I think many people get disillusioned with on the left 
on the and, and the liberal side is that there's not really a vision for what's being built up in its place. There's tear it down, bad idea, take it down, take it down, take it down, take it down, but not here's what we're building, here's what's coming, here's what we envision or want to see, here's the here's the prophetic on its way. And and the right, um, I th- I think does some similar stuff, but maybe not to the extent that it's like tear it down. They're more caricatured as wanting to hold on to right. what has been good or from their vantage point, what has been good, right? right? Well, that's the word conservative. Right, yeah, to, to preserve, conserve, hold on yeah. to, conserve. And so, um, so, and that's kind of the, the place where you find, and, and it's like, well, which one's going to be, which one's going to be hopeful, mm-hmm. right? And which one's going to be forward thinking and saying, this is what's coming. We want to mm-hmm. be, and, and it's more than likely it's going to be the one that is the optimist of there's good things on the way. There's yeah. a hopefulness in the air. So, so whether it's That's politics and I, and I don't mean that, like, I don't mean to bring in politics as a, as a leg to um, critique too much social, socially, like socially, but like, but I think you see it at, 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 at multiple levels. I think you see it at, at the political level. I think you see it on a local level. I think mm-hmm. you see it in your home. Yeah. Um, if 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 you turn on the news or you are are talking with friends and it's just a cynical air at some point you have to you have to look and say well what what can what can be good and what can be looked forward to and what can we hope for yeah. into tomorrow and the next day it's going to be those people that that actually have like actual content for the future yeah. that people are going to rally around and say we want we, we see that yeah well i think the i think the political is it can be polarizing obviously i mean there's a reason why it's polarizing as well but also as we're moving into a an election year something would it would not surprise me if we had more political conversations here or or just everywhere <coughs> but it is interesting as you think of like the two sides left and right one is described as progressive the other one is described as conservative which is like look backwards or look forwards there's yeah. not a lot of hope the hope blind i think blind hope you can kind of describe as like it's going to be better in the future pie in the sky which is a right. lot of people view that as christian as, as what christians think um or the opposite way which is Everything used to be better. Now look at what's going on. And it's the progressives that are trying to pull away from what is good. And it's the conservatives that are trying to hinder us from making movements in the future that will be beneficial. Well, and and, and where it gets where it could actually get even more cynical is to is to actually believe that either of those options is the most hopeful, because I think cutting through culture is Jesus and the gospel story, which is we don't actually get our hope from the next political candidate or the political party or the political season or the next wave of whatever. It's we actually get it from Jesus internally changing who I am and I wake up with a different purpose and a different identity and the and what I get to fuel my days doesn't come from some external source that I'm I'm optimistic will happen in in, in a political arena mm-hmm. or what my neighbor may or may not do or how the weather may or may not be. 
or what happens to me today. Instead, I actually begin with, I begin with hope in the beginning of my day that should be the same at the end. And that is, it's based on the foundation that Jesus is who he says he was, that he's in my life and he, and his Holy spirit is doing something in me and he's coming again. And my hope is based in that. And then everything else is kind of underneath that, that, canopy yeah well and he's doing it right now like i think that's something that that in the church we've we maybe have slipped on a lot of times is the reality and we talk about this quite a bit is like jesus is on the move right now it's not that he did something two thousand years ago and then he kind of like jumped ship and said i'll be back to kind of gather what remains and it's it's not that jesus um which this is more like not to use the word liberal again, but like liberal theology, I think kind of perpetrates a little bit is like, who knows whether it actually really happened, but it's, it's producing something really good in us or it will in the future. If you hold on for long enough and Jesus is smack dab in the middle. And to use that word hope and to think of Advent again is like, no, both of those things are true. And it doesn't mean that Jesus is not in the middle of it. He's absolutely in the middle on the tension. The first Advent is true. When we look back and we try and like right. conserve some of the stuff that God has given us, mm-hmm. as we think about morality and values, and we think about um, that just the the hope and, and remembering as we look in the back, the the rearview mirror, but while we're moving forward, like that's true. And then we also the progressive side of of it. There's truth in that as well because because of what is promised to us. So there's that tension in the middle, which is hope. And what we miss a lot of times is that Jesus is right. He's in there with us. And where hopefully we yeah. we landed as we're thinking about Advent and we're thinking about hope is that we have the actual we have the opportunity, and this is baffling to me, is we have the opportunity to be a man we we could get to join in the mission of being Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. So we talk about Jesus in the in the story of, of Christmas. Um, Jesus is proclaimed as Emmanuel, God with us. Mm-hmm. And then we do kind of the conservative or the progressive side where we go, he was there then or he will come back later. And what we, what I think we miss on is that the Holy Spirit was given to us, mm-hmm. in us as as followers of Jesus, in us as the church. And we get to join in that, 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 that uh, section of tension and walk with him. We get to actually join in him as he is being Emmanuel. We get to be as the church and as followers of Jesus. We get to be Emmanuel, God with us, God with the world, which makes that mentality or that picture of the the stewardess pouring coffee so much like more potent too. Well, yeah, I mean, when you when you see someone react, it should catch our attention when someone reacts differently to the rest of the world. You know, someone someone said that um, you you could never you the evidence for us being a secular society was never more true than the way we all reacted to COVID. And I'm talking about Christians like we reacted to it in ways kind of broad, painting with a broad brush. But we reacted in ways where you would say maybe our hope wasn't anchored in the Savior. Maybe we were anchored in something else. Not that we need to be flippant toward it. But some of our reaction and flippancy towards some of the protocols and all that was us acting in a secular way as well. Yeah. And then and then obviously the overreacting to it was in the same regard. And so it's like, man, like 
how do I interact with the world in which I'm not living again? This, and this is what happens with hope is like, I'm not waking up and this, I, and maybe it pulls us out of a selfishness, but I'm not waking up hopeful how the world's going to react to me or interact with me. I'm actually hopeful. I'm, I'm hope filled because it's not about me. Mm-hmm. This isn't, I don't have to get up and have to like, um, answer every desire or burden that is within my heart because I know Jesus is ministering to me and working and his Holy Spirit's changing and yeah. transforming me from the inside out. And so, um, there's that hope. And then we, we have the opportunity to introduce hope where someone might recognize you're different. You hope differently. You live differently, not because you're trying really hard to do that, but mm-hmm. because the foundation of hope in my heart that was built on external realities or weather or external circumstances now is built on Jesus. And I have, I walk with a different confidence. Mm -hmm. I walk with a different air because I really genuinely am hoping in something deeper. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, I think if a lot of us think of our stories, like that's such a, like a huge part of it is that it's not that people around us were like watching the world or everything on fire around them and just going, it's fine. Like the analogy that I, I, um, comes to my brain is, is Olaf from hmm. Frozen. Yeah. Where everything is going sideways all the time around him. And he's like, he has a song where, and he says, when I'm older. Yeah. And he's like, He's like, all oh, this is going to make sense, and I'm fine right now. And it's like, everything is not okay, and you're just blindly saying that. Yeah. And what is really compelling about Christianity, and this is my story, a lot of people's stories, is like we we saw Christians as people who just closed their eyes and went, yeah, it's all good. It's whatever. Like, it's just uh, the answer is Jesus. Don't ask any more questions. Just kind of, yeah. we got it. Yeah. And then interacting with. Emmanuel, like hold the Holy Spirit in people and seeing that their response was like, again, the world is crazy, but our hope is not based in circumstances. It's based upon the truth of what has already happened that absolutely already happened and the truth of what is going to happen. And the fact that Jesus is in the fray with us right now, like he's in the foxhole with us and he's like talking to us like, hey, it's crazy out there. Yeah. And I'm with you and things are going to go up and down. It's going to rain on you and snow. It's going to be sunshine sometimes, but the beginning is the same. The end is the same. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the midst of it making you like, it's the Romans eight, like uh, God works all things for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. Like it makes it easier and it it makes it uh, more convincing to like, to believe that in the midst of all that. Well, yeah. And, and, and practically speaking, um, when you think about the hope that Jesus brings and provides when he comes into, and he arrives into the world, things didn't get less chaotic, Uh -uh. right? It, everything got increasingly more chaotic. Um, especially those closest to Jesus, right? The disciples lives got really crazy, really quickly. Yeah. And we always tell the the youth hub kids, which if you're a youth hub parent and this is something you don't want your kids to hear, then um, apologies. But the out of the 11 or 12 disciples, once uh, apostles, once Judas is replaced, 11 of them were martyred. 
Yeah. One of them was not. It was John, and John was only boiled alive in oil and, like, all of all those other <laughs> well, things. That, that, the message of that isn't like, so so be prepared for bad things to happen to you. It's, it's more, it's the point. Cut, po- cut think, that out. No, 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 no. I, it, 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 there's an example of that, but I think more, we do have to walk with different lens. We have to walk, walk with different glasses on mm-hmm. when Jesus is our hope, because we may remain hopeful even if there's not, there's nothing that the world would categorize in our life. That's that should fill us with hope. You know, like if, if the world looks at us and says, man, we have nothing that the world would look at and say, man, there's a value system. There's a value that you're holding that I can see where your hope comes from. Like if our hope is just Jesus, like it doesn't change what's happening to us or mm-hmm. why it would happen to us or how it would happen to us. But our, our hope and all the other advent, like the peace and the love and the joy are immovable because of the relationship with Jesus that we're getting closer to. So our hope should increase as we get closer to Jesus. Hmm. Our peace should increase as we're closer to him, even if everything continues to be crazy and chaotic. And then a step further from that is, and this is probably what I've been like, if we are ultimately hopeful and Jesus is the ultimate hope of our lives, then we can't keep saying, well, the world's chaotic and crazy. We can. We actually have to take some ownership and say maybe we help the world get chaotic and crazy. Hmm. As a as a people who were unwilling to put our hope in Jesus, we put our we put Jesus on our churches, but maybe not in our hearts. Yeah. And then the world saw Christians react in the same way non Christians reacted. Yeah. Therefore, why would we go to the church for hope? Because you react the same way. We need to react in ways where Jesus truly is the source of our hope. Yeah. Because each of us is is um, abiding in Him, growing in Him, communicating with Him, all, all of the above. Now, I, that's there's all of that's caked like drenched in idealism and oversimplification. But sure. there's a there's a yeah, but on a practical <clears throat> sense, like COVID, like you're saying, COVID was a great refining fire for us to to realize. Even if we proclaim that we know Jesus, and even we, even if we know Jesus, there's a lot of areas where like the practical atheism or practical like secular thinking really was drawn out. Yeah, and like in part, thank thank the Lord that we had that opportunity to slow down and yeah. self evaluate and go, all right, I got to have to dial it back and say what what have I said and what do I believe, and that's something we got to continually do. Yep, that's good. It's good, good, good. Uh man, good message to begin with and to consider mm-hmm. our, the source of our hope and what hope is and how hope actually plays a really big part in our lives. It's yeah. not, it's, it's, um, man, it's, it's a gift that we get from, from Jesus and from him being our, uh, the root of our lives. So yeah, thankful for it. Great message. Yeah.